Welcome back to The Extra Point, presented by the Hot Takes Network. Uh, on this week's episode, we will give you some outlooks from the past week, some uh, predictions for the upcoming week, and we have an exciting playoff segment scheduled uh, in between those two for this week. Um, to jump into our first game from this past week, Watson, I believe you want to talk about the San Francisco-Seattle game. Oh, yes, I do, Cody. Absolutely. So we don't have to go that much further back in time to get to this game's Monday Nighter. And was it a Monday night classic? Oh, finally a good primetime game. Finally. Because, you know, it's funny. They schedule the primetimes before the season starts. Expecting good games. Right. And then all of this nonsense happens. And yeah. next thing you know, it's not good. But, man, this game was exciting. And it wasn't exciting from one team or another. Like, everybody was causing turnovers. Just as a football fan. As a football fan. Yeah. Really entertaining. Mm-hmm. I mean, whenever you have a game-tying field goal – an overtime interception, a game missed, or sorry, a missed game winning kick. Very missed. <laughs> and then you finish off by actually making a field goal. Yeah. Like just the sequence of events was absolutely insane. And to me, uh, the 49ers and the Seahawks are two extremely talented teams that can make a deep postseason run. Uh, I, I agree with that. Um, one thing I did take away from this game, though, is Jimmy Garoppolo is not very clutch. Just watching the game and then watching the highlights back in the in over in the fourth quarter and into overtime, there was a lot of risky throws he made. Mm. I believe there was two dropped interceptions that very well could have been, and uh, a third one that I don't put on him because it wasn't his fault, um, as his receiver kind of bobbled it. Mm-hmm. But like he only had a QBR of sixty six point two. Like, I hate to see it. Like. <laughs> like with a rating like that, you're you're winning because your defense was generating those turnovers. Like they, they did do well on offense. He had like 248 yards. Yeah. But I I think that in if you play that game over and over again and do those same things, that ball is intercepted those times in the fourth quarter and overtime, and this the Seahawks run away with it. it. It's not even close. Yeah. When you have two evenly matched teams who are at the top of their game at the top of a conference the game will be decided by turnovers. Absolutely. Like, you know they're going to play good offense. You know they're going to play good defense. So who's the first to screw up? Yeah. That's Or really screw up more than the other team, should I say. Um, And I think it's funny you brought up, you know, Jimmy G, you know, the picks. Sometimes he kind of looked just uncomfortable back there. I'm almost wondering if he was going up against Russ and how good – Russ has been. He felt yeah. a little bit of pressure to match his skill level. Yeah, and it's not that Garoppolo is a bad quarterback. Yeah. It's just more or less. I think he hasn't felt that kind of pressure in a game yet. Because, yeah. like, sure, he started a couple games in New England, started a couple games last year yeah. uh, for San Fran. But uh, I think, like, as a starter, he was never that okay. We have to score here. We have to create something. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever had that pressure. Um, and and you kind of see it too because. The, the Niners didn't have much of a rushing game, but uh, I think Garoppolo has a new favorite receiver in Debo Samuel. Debo, although that's partially because uh, new pickup Emmanuel Sanders went down so early True. Uh, that they wound up at Debo. Uh, but I will say, we're just going to jump back to the Niners rushing attack for a second. That's what's carried them the last few games. Yeah. And it's almost hid and protected Jimmy G a little bit because they would run it so consistently and so well. Um, that, you know, he'll have to make a few throws a game. He throws like a buck 80 and a touchdown and nobody really pays any attention. So to me, if you can find a way to shut down this Niners running game, 
I think you have an easy chance of beating them. Yeah, and that, that, that's kind of what I was getting at is like Garoppolo had his first true test in terms of you have to pass the ball. You, you can't let your committee backfield do the work for you. Yeah. Um, but Debo Samuel, eight catches, over 100 yards, targeted 11 times. It does help that Sanders is out, but that also shows you that if Jimmy G does step up to the plate with a weapon like Samuel and then when Sanders comes back and a committee backfield, you should win. 99 out of the 100 football games you play you know yeah maybe maybe not i don't know um i will add on to that my boy george kittle don't forget kittle was out that's yeah throw kittle in there i do think he has the weapons but again i think he's got to learn how to play in prime time you know like i agree with you that the weapons are there but i think the question remains you know, you're going to come up against the Russell Wilsons and the Aaron Rodgers and, you know, who are the Drew Breeses of the world Absolutely. before you make it to the Super Bowl. And if you're going to sit there and try to play their game, doing a thing that they clearly do better than you, um, you know, that's not going to be a real recipe for success. And speaking of the Russell Wilsons of the world, we had this whole debate last time about, you know, is Seattle going to go far? Can Russell carry them? I have to say, a lot of my doubts about the rest of the team were kind of put to rest with that 49ers win because there was a lot of clutch opportunities, whether it was the clowny return fumble touchdown, Jason Myers making field goals, or just everybody kind of rallying around Russ to make that a W. Um, I think Seattle has proven to everybody that regardless of how deep they go in the playoffs, they're at least a team to fear. Mm -hmm. And uh, someone I was actually really impressed with on Seattle is um, their cornerback, Griffin. Mm. He, he made an interception that was called back on a penalty. Yeah. Great interception. Yeah. Um, and some, some of the uh, passes he was defending, like he was just <coughs> sacrificing himself completely in order to ensure that pass doesn't get there. And that's exactly what you want. And that kind of brings back the, the Legion of Boom vibe mm. to Seattle. And uh, if you can start to develop a secondary like that again, look out because Seattle might be winning another Super Bowl. You know, they're, they're front seven there. You got Clowney, you got Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright. Like, they have a good front seven. If they could get even a semblance of a half-decent secondary, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it could be dangerous, um, you know, for a complete team to, to finally figure it out. And um, speaking of complete teams that are not very complete at all, Buffalo – Really let me down this week. Me too. Uh, Buffalo. Me too. You know, you're watching the game. I thought that after um, there was the forward pass from Baker Mayfield that got blown up, and at the time they ruined a fumble returned for a touchdown. When that happened, I had assumed, regardless of whether it was overturned or not, that the game was over, and the Bills found a way to eat a sock <laughs> and yeah. lose the game still in. Yeah, yeah. So um, I had I had some money riding on the bills. Yeah, uh, as you know from last week's podcast, and uh, I I, I want to just say that's a tough one, and uh, yeah. like it, it was it was a good take, but uh, it just didn't hit this time. Uh, one thing that I did take away from this game, though, is um, last week we were kind of or we me I was kind of tearing uh, Baker a new one in terms of <laughs> he needs to play, he needs to finish the drive. Yeah, well. He finished twice. He had two he touchdowns. Um, his quarterback rating was over 100. Mm-hmm. So he actually played good football this past week. Yes, he did. And like the, the score was close, but I, I think that's the one of the main reasons why 
the Browns won. And I think the other reason why the Browns won is because the second receiver on that team, not named Odell Beckham, he goes by the name of Jarvis Landry, has been overlooked a lot during the season. He was by far the most consistent receiver in that game. And I don't just mean his nine catches for almost 100 yards and a touchdown. I'm more referring to the fact that when I was watching the game, every time I saw the throw going and I saw the receiver open, I just knew it was Jarvis Landry. Like I just knew he had found a way against a Buffalo secondary that is one of the best in the league to find openings. And a guy like that, you know, talent doesn't come around like that very often. Yeah, and I I think their offense in this past game was full circle because Nick Chubb had over 100 yards. Yeah. um, And on on only 20 carries. He's so so good. Like, he is fantastic. And and Kareem Hunt actually got a couple touches on the ball. Mm -hmm. So if you use Nick Chubb and he performs like that, you have Kareem Hunt. Then you have Baker actually playing good football with Jarvis. And then it, it sounds weird to say, but like as a sneaky receiver, Odell Beckham, like th- this is the kind yeah. of team that everybody thought they would be yeah. before the season started. And they just haven't shown yet besides last week. Like you had performances from your receiving, from your running backs, from your quarterbacks. Like it was full circle on offense. Yeah. So if, if they can keep that up, they're, Things are looking up for the Browns. Yeah, good for them. And, I mean, on the flip side, we talked about quarterbacking performances. Um, Josh Allen. And, you, you know, it's it's not even the fact, like, he's not turning the ball over. He didn't have an interception in the game. Yeah. It was more so the – and he only got sacked once. It was the fact that uh, – let me just read the stat here. 22 for 41 passing. That is a bare inch Above 50%. And, you know, I'd see him scrambling out of the pocket, and he would just throw it into spaces um, that weren't there as a throwaway. And to me, as soon as you flush Josh Allen out of the pocket, he's a great athlete and he's a great quarterback, Mm -hmm. but he panics way too easily and just says the play is over, the play is dead. You go and you watch excellent mobile quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Russ again. As soon as they're out of the pocket, they're improvising. They're changing the play. They're looking somewhere else. Receivers are coming back to help. With Josh, I feel like he goes outside and his options are run or just dump the football. Yeah, and uh, because you brought it up, I just want to bring notice to and appreciate Lamar Jackson's spin move. (laughs) That is out of a video game. That was amazing to watch. I could watch that highlight over and over. Yeah. And and, uh, as I said last week, I'm a fan of quarterbacks who can run the ball. Because it gives you that extra option on offense and it screws up other defenses. And when your quarterback can do things like that. Yeah, that like, was, uh, oh. for those of you, if you didn't see the game, go back and watch the uh, Bengals-Ravens highlights. There's a run that he's talking about with a little pirouette. In the middle of the field. Yeah, that and was pretty nutty. All the way for a touchdown. Yeah, and I mean, when your quarterback can sprint down the field like he's out of the 100-meter block. Mm-hmm. Mm, what are you, you going to do, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll move on to our playoff segment. Yeah. Um, Watson, what team from the AFC that currently does not have a playoff position do you think could get one? Yeah, so it's tricky because the AFC from the second wild card down is a little bit of a log jam right now. The Steelers hold it at 5-4, and four, but then you look across and – um, you got the Raiders and the Colts both at five and four. The Texans are at five and five. Or not Texans, sorry, the Titans. Titans five, five. five and five. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, kind of congestion there. So one team that I think could be very interesting 
are the Raiders. And it's kind of funny because we went into the season, they got a bunch of draft picks. They kind of made it really question Gruden, John Gruden, being Gruden, Gruden's <laughs> grinders. Okay. Yeah. Picked a bunch of players that were highly questionable. Then the whole Antonio Brown shenanigans happened. I was going to say, speaking of questionable players. Yeah. And now here we are. And here we are with the Raiders on the brink of a playoff position. And I truly think they have a shot. Um, there's a couple of reasons why I think that. The first one is their remaining schedule. So if you go to the Raiders' remaining schedule here, uh, they are facing Cincinnati, uh, the New York Jets, Tennessee, Jacksonville, the Chargers, and Denver. And I think out of all of those games are potential yeah. winning games. The only uh, problem in the schedule... I was say, I give them at least four... Yeah. Four wins out of that, if not five. Like, I say they only drop one of those. Yeah, and the only worry in there is Kansas City, which I'm just not including. We have to assume that's a loss. Oh, yeah, that's a loss. Yeah, but the rest of the schedule, they're winnable games. And a lot of guys have stepped up on this offense. Like, Josh Jacobs, we thought would be good. That man is really good. He's really good. And he's a power back, and he kind of just charges in there. He brute force. He kind of reminds me a little bit of a smaller version of Brandon Jacobs. Okay. In the way that Jacobs was like a big hit the gap and pound guy. Mm. Whereas Jacobs is like, if you just like Josh Jacobs, yeah. if you compress Brandon a little bit mm. and make him able to catch a football once yeah. in a while, he kind of starts to remind me just the way he hits the gap as mm. uh, Brandon Jacobs. Um, but also I think guys like Tyrell Williams or Darren Waller yeah. for receiving options. When you surround David Carr or sorry, David Carr, his brother, <laughs> Derek. Derek Carr, with some talent, uh, the guy can play. I was just going to say, like, you, you see the pieces of their offense coming together. Yeah. And um, after getting rid of Khalil Mack <laughs> last year, um, the question was with their defense. But I, I, I think that because their offense is starting to come together, Gruden's been able to focus on that defense a little more. And they, they've been playing not too bad either. They've been so, okay, yeah. But, and, like, I think just – uh, I agree with you. I think due to their like the, the latter half of the season, their ending schedule, there's at least four or five wins in there. And yeah. with like you've seen teams make the playoffs at nine and seven. You, oh, sure. You've seen teams make the playoffs at ten and six, especially in a wild card spot. Absolutely. I, I don't think they necessarily take their division, but you know they might not take the division. But the Chiefs are only at six and four. We've seen crazier things happen. Mm -hmm. It's close enough that it gets interesting. And I think that regardless of how much Gruden focuses on that defense, the only way they're going to win is by outscoring opponents. And I do think with the current list of tools, uh, Derek Carr has the chance to potentially put something together um, and get the Raiders into that second wild card seat. And worst comes to worst, even if they end up on the fringe of the playoffs, I think a 500 season would be considered an absolute win. For the Raiders. Especially after what they went through this past offseason. I totally agree. Absolutely. So that's the AFC for me. I know you were taking a look at the NFC, Cody. And what do you think about that? So the NFC, I think the options in terms of who isn't in the playoffs and who could are very limited. Uh, so right now, the one and two seeds are the Niners and the Packers at eight and one and eight and two. Um, then you have um, the Saints and the Cowboys at the top of their divisions. Um, then you have the Vikings and the Seahawks in the wildcard spots. Those are some um, uh, high-ranking wildcard teams I was, there. I was just going to say, so the Vikings are 7-3, and three, the Seahawks are 8-2. and two. The next closest team in the hunt is the Rams, Eagles, and the Panthers, all at 5-4. and four. Yikes. So I don't think that 
anybody catches the Vikings or the Seahawks in terms of the wild card spot. Mm-hmm. If the Seahawks win or yeah, if the Seahawks win their division, San Fran will drop to the wild card. And same thing with the Vikings and the Packers mm-hmm. if they switch spots. The only the only thing I can see changing, because I don't see the Saints losing their division to Tampa Bay, it's Atlanta, not- Carolina, like Carolina, Carolina, that yeah, has a like, marginal shot. Yeah, and with with a two game uh, lead on them already, I I don't see a Drew Brees led Saints dropping that division. Knock on wood. Um, the only division I see changing is the Cowboys and the Eagles, because the Eagles aren't that bad of a team, and neither are the Cowboys, but they're not great either. Yeah. I I don't think either of these teams go far in the playoffs, but the only spot I can see changing right now is the Eagles and the Cowboys because. There's no way the Rams come back in their division uh, enough to get a wild card spot. Same thing with the Panthers, and then everybody below them: um, Bears, Lions, Cardinals. Like you, you, you start to get into the losing records, and there's no way that they can make up that ground. Yeah, I'm just checking here to see uh, what the remaining schedules are looking like. But um, the thing with Dallas is that you know they have a really good defense. Philly secondary is questionable. But on the flip yeah. side, if you have to put Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz in a room and tell me to pick one, I'm, I'm not picking Dak, right? Yeah. So, And I, I think everybody who is not a Cowboys fan will pick Carson Wentz nine times out of ten. Yeah, and the Eagles have a Week 16 date with Dallas. And that'll be that'll a be huge pivotal. swing game. Yeah. That, that could almost be a deciding game right then and there, yeah. depending on how these next couple weeks go. And with Philly – that's such a deciding game because I think the rest of their games, I'm, I'm going to tell you honestly, I think they're already decided <laughs> because they're facing New England and Loss. Seattle, Loss. both losses. Um, but then they got Miami, Washington, and a pair of games against the Giants. So you're looking at four and two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nine and six record, barring the Dallas game. Yeah. Right? And then if you flip yourself over here and we take a look at what the Cowboys have remaining on their schedule. Um, they have a little bit more, what I would say is flexibility in terms of where they go. Mm. So they do uh, face Washington, which should be a win. win. Um, But then most of their other games are still up for contention. So they're in Detroit. It just depends on how Detroit's defense wants to do that day. They're home against Buffalo. They're in Chicago. I'm not saying we're going to go through every game right now and figure it out. Um, They're home against the Rams. Like, these are games that, again, they should it, 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 win It could go either way. Yeah, but it will be more contentious. So if they get in a situation where they win half, they lose half, that Week 16 games could be huge. Yeah, and just, just because, um, like you're saying, the Cowboys, it's totally up to them. Um, so the question is, are they going to Dallas? Um, are, are they going to be that good team that doesn't win? Um, because the Eagles have those games, and in our minds, it's already decided. Yeah. So. Ultimately, I don't think it's really up to the Eagles whether they win their division. I think it's up to the Cowboys whether they um, – because right now their records are tied and they just have the tiebreaker. But I think it's totally up to the Cowboys in those um, – I wouldn't call them swing games, but yeah. the, the toss-ups. Yeah, for sure. Um, so speaking of you know us projecting things, next week we've got a week of football coming up. Uh, depending on when this video is released – uh, we're, we are recording early in the week. Hopefully we get it out before the Thursday night games. Um, but it's coming up on us, and we need to start analyzing. So, Cody, you're taking a look at next week's slate of games. What speaks to you? So uh, the first game that I see is Jacksonville and the Colts. Yes, Nick Foles. So Nick Foles <laughs> is back. I, I know they didn't have Brissett. But like we said last week, 
how do you lose to the Dolphins? Like, like fresh like, fish. Like, like, if you have Nick Foles come back, I, I take Nick Foles over Indy's quarterback, uh, Brian yeah. Hoyer. Yeah, I was just gonna say the Colts are five and four. Yeah. Jaguars are four and five. I'm just looking at their offensive and defensive rankings, uh, and um, Jacksonville is higher ranked in terms of offense, a little lower in terms of defense, but overall, because that balance is out, I put this at, as like an even game. And if Nick Foles plays like we know he can play, I'm taking the Jags and the Jaguars are unfavored. So from a betting perspective, because this game is so even, but Jacksonville's unfavored, I, I see it as a value bet to take Jacksonville this week. Yeah, I mean, you take out T.Y. Hilton, he's probably going to be out of the game, and Jacksonville has the better weapons. You know, Fournette, DJ Shark, and assuming that Westbrook suits up, um, if you get down to a late game where you need a score, uh, you know, you Nick can. Foles is, has been known to uh, make a few big plays in his career. Absolutely. Um, I do like Jacksonville a lot, and Jacksonville is one of those fringe teams as well, going back to the AFC, where I said the Raiders over them, the Jags are four and five, and if Nick Foles starts to Nick Foles himself mm-hmm. here, um, like the rest of that Jaguars team is very talented. So we've seen weirder things happen. Yeah. So and like you said, I think Ty Hilton is a big part of that offense, and without him, um, Jaguars secondary have the other Colts receivers covered. So really, it's a matter of can Marlon Mack, yeah, run the ball down the Jaguars' throat. Yeah, and I mean. You know, the Jaguars have a great front seven. I know it's kind of deteriorated in the last couple of years, but they still got guys up there that can make plays. Um, You throw Calais Campbell in the middle of any defensive line, and all of a sudden you have problems, right? So I I think that, yeah, I I think it's going to be close, like you said, but I I like the pick. I like it. Mm -hmm. I like it a lot. Well, that's my first game of the week. Yeah. What's your first game of this coming week? (sighs) Let's talk a little bit. Texans Ravens because I know we were chatting about this yeah. ahead of time. Um, this is one of those games that it feels a statement game for both teams. Uh, the I'll Ravens, agree with that, right? The Ravens are kind of on top of the world right now. They knocked off the Patriots. Lamar's doing spin moves. <laughs> yeah. You know they're having a wild time up there. And then the Houston Texans are kind of still trying to figure out who they are. Um, they're leading the division, but a lot of things haven't quite been working for them. They've had some injuries. So this is a game to me where, you know, statement is going to be made one way or another between the teams. Yeah. And uh, I totally agree with that. Um, what I was looking at in this game, I I still kind of think Baltimore comes out on top, but the biggest thing I was looking at is the, uh, under over, which I don't bet very often, but I think when you have, uh, Baltimore, who I believe has not scored less than 20 points in any game this season. Yeah, their lowest is um let's see here. Yeah, their lowest seems to be 23 points in their win over Cincy and their win over Arizona. So being that that's their lowest, and then you'll go up against Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins of the Texans, who have also been scoring quite a few points this season. Right now, the line's at 49 and a half. I'm taking the over. I think this is a complete shootout, and it's just it's a battle of um, Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson. And it's going to be, I think, similar to this past week's Monday night game in terms of a great football game to watch, regardless of who you root for. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, you know, both secondaries are trash. 
Okay, maybe not trash, but definitely not top two-thirds of the league. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, There's just too many problems. You know, Baltimore does have a very talented individual secondary, um, but they've fallen far short of expectation, and Houston's just whatever Houston is. Mm -hmm. So, like you said, you know, you got some fast receivers, got some mobile quarterbacks. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. I like the Ravens in this game. Because I think it's going to come down to points, like you said. And they have the man, the myth, the legend, Jay Tucker. Justin Tucker. Mm -hmm. One of the most accurate football kickers in our, you know, generation. Um, And I I think, you know, if it comes down to a late game field goal, throw Mm -hmm. me Justin Tucker out there, he'll hit from 55 yards, no problem. Well, as you can see by my sweater, I know all about late game field goals. Um, but, also the, but also this past <laughs> week, um, we saw how important a late game field goal can be. Yeah. It, it can turn a win into a loss. Yeah. Um, but I think um, something that gives the Ravens the edge, um, if Lamar Jackson isn't already good enough at running the football, when you have when you don't have someone like J.J. Watt rushing at him anymore, that just gives him extra freedom, which with that guy you do not want to do. Mm-hmm. So I think because he's already running all over teams yeah. – when you don't have that good of a pass rush, I see him escaping the pocket, seeing a small gap and taking it. And whether it's those big plays or he just nickel and dimes them to move the sticks and convert uh, um, like convert drives into touchdowns, I, I still think Baltimore comes out on top. Yeah. I want to bring up, actually, because, uh, you know, Tampa fan, this is not a Tampa game for me that the reason I'm interested in this mm-hmm. game is I'm interested in it because of new Orleans. I want to bring up the Tampa new Orleans game because new Orleans for no apparent reason decided to get squashed by the Falcons last week. Um, it like you objectively look at the game. Nothing made sense. Like yeah. new Orleans is a way better team than that. You do not send Drew Brees out there and a plus defense and wind up getting destroyed by a team that has barely, I think they won one game going into uh, that matchup all year, so two and seven Falcons or whatever. Um, So now all of a sudden, this year, you have the Saints, or this year, this week, um, the Saints are walking right into Tampa. I think the game's in Tampa. Let me just quickly check here. Um, Yeah, Raymond James Stadium. So it's in Tampa. Tampa's coming off a win. Um, This is a game for me that the Saints need to prove to their fans and to the rest of the NFL that they are not going, that they're a serious team and that they're going to, you know, be a serious threat in this playoffs coming up. Yeah. Um, And I think that, you know, should they fall to Tampa for some mysterious reasons, um, back-to-back losses to the Falcons and to the Buccaneers start to really question the legitimacy of this New Orleans team. Um, And we said earlier about a statement game with the the Ravens game. I think this is a statement game for just the Saints. Yeah. Because if they drop that back-to-back, that's huge in terms of their their division. And as someone who bet on the Saints last week, has Drew Brees in their fantasy team, um, I I really need a Saints win this week. And after getting duped with the pass interference call last playoffs um, and two years ago the Minneapolis Miracle, the Saints need to make that deep playoff run and actually get to the Super Bowl this year, or else I see Drew Brees calling it quits. Like he he needs that team around him to do well in order for him to want to stay. Yeah. 
So that wraps it up for this week's episode. Um, hope you enjoyed our takes. Um, please leave some comments on our YouTube video so we can maybe address them in another segment next week. Um, please like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow our uh, Facebook page, uh, The Extra Point. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, uh, and visit our website, all the Hot Takes Network. Um, and hope you enjoyed, and we will see you next week. Yep. Take care, folks.